Words have great power. I, I um, love C3 Fort Worth, love being a part of this uh, church, love our pastors. They are, uh, Brandon and Meredith are, are great pastors, and they love, they don't love just the city, they love people. It's not about buildings and stuff with them, it's about people. And I love that spirit, and I thank God for them. Can you thank them with me? Come on, give me a hand. And then, uh, and then we're going to go to Ephesians 1, and then the first Samuel, the 17th chapter, but Ephesians 1. And also, uh, one of the greatest blessings of my life is being a dad. And, and, and as I walked in this morning, have, having Brandon's two boys come running up, well, one of them yelled at me, the other one just ran up and ran into me. And that was awesome enough, but, but uh, Kaysen came running up, Papa! And then Gray's like, ah, just, that's awesome, right? And uh, so I love that, and, uh, and I thank God for the woman who, because of whom I am a dad, and uh, she is the artist known as Judy. And uh, so she's awesome and amazing. You know, I, I think about this thing, Father's Day, and so I want to share with us today and speak and just dialogue a little. Not a message necessarily to fathers, but if you will, if you'd receive this from a father. Because as a father, I see things that happen in people's lives, in our lives, in my children's lives, and those around us. And I go, man, don't listen to that stuff. Don't listen to that negativity. Don't listen even to your own self-talk that's picked up on somebody else's negativity. You know, self-talk is so pervasive in our world, and, and that's why the Word of God says... Put into your heart and into your spirit. Proverbs 4 says, out of your heart comes your life. Jesus said, out of your heart comes your words. We know our words create our world. Well, whoever defines the, the words creates the language, and whoever defines the language creates the culture. And so, so, you know, we create this culture in us of listening to certain things. And there's this stuff that happens. You know, self-talk, I'm speaking, I don't know, maybe 160 words a minute. And, and you can read about 200 words a minute, but self-talk is screaming about 500 words a minute. <clears throat> like right now as I'm talking, you're going like, hey, nice shoes. <laughs> you're thinking, man, i got to call so-and-so tomorrow. You're, you've got all this stuff. Or, or you're thinking about other things, or you're listening to the music. Man, that was great. Wasn't that awesome? And then you're listening to me at the same time. And then you're thinking, man, I hope... I hope they're taking notes because I'm not, and I need to get them. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, self-talk is going on, and, and the fact is, is if we listen to that, then, then it begins to define who we are because you make decisions based on your definition. And your definition comes from the things you've held in your heart, the words you've received. So defining Father God is a fascinating thing for me. I think of when Jesus said to pray our Father, it wasn't because God's male, it's because he wanted to create an image. We don't think in words, you don't think in sentences, you think in images. So God wanted to create for you and I an image of who he is. And the highest image, the most powerful, profound image he could create for us is that God is a father. It's a father. 
He's the one who's always there. He's the one who will never leave. He's the one who's never bailed on us. He's the one who hugs us when we get hurt. He's the one who picks us up. He's a father. He's the one who's proud of us. You know, and Jesus, when Jesus was on the earth, you know, he lived here 33 years and, and he had three years of ministry. And, and it, he said, I only do what the father tells me to do. So if we want to know the character of Father God, if we want to know who he is, we look at the life of Jesus. Because everything he did is who God is. Now think about this. So what if our image of a father, Father God, because when I was young, like, well, first of all, when I was young, you know, somebody that was like 35 was old. Not the same now. For me. But you, when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when I was younger, I had this image of God as this old guy with a stick. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a staff. But a stick. And if you did something wrong, he goes, <laughs> Right? It's like, oh, yeah, I saw you. No, it can't hide from me. And, you know, so, you know, because you tried it. Like, if you were going to do something bad, you'd try to do it where God couldn't see you. Yeah. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. I was like. It's the nighttime. It's dark. You can't see me. It's awesome. I saw you. And, you know, you get this image of God as this old guy. But listen, watch this. What if God's actually the same age as what Jesus was when he was on the earth? What if he's a 33-year-old dad? When I was 33 and I came walking in the house, the moment I walked in, if my boys were home, Brandon and Bryce, They'd come down the stairs, and about the first landing is where they would launch. And it was about this high, and then come down the stairs, and then the rest of the stairs didn't matter because they'd just go, yeah, bam, and it was on. You know, and, and we were into it, and that's a young dad. What if our image of God has been skewed by religious thinking and what other people have said rather than who he really is? What if he's actually a father that's at soccer going, and the little five-year-old kids are all in a little clump? You know how they do that, soccer, when they're five? There's two little clumps, and they're all, like, together, and they're kicking the same ball and going around. And there's always a dad going, that's my kid right there, the one that's good. <laughs> the, one that, the one that's awesome. That's Brandon, you know. His, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my kid right there. Did you see him hit that? Did you see him kick? That's a dad, Right? What if that's our Father in heaven? You see, here's the thing. How much God loves you right now will never change. I don't care if you get your act together because we're all almost there, right? Just turn to the person next to you and say, I'm almost there. Just say, I have almost got my act together. And sometimes we think when I get my act together, then God somehow will embrace me stronger. God will never love you more just because you do more stuff. Or because you somehow read the word more, because you sing better. Or He's never loved you less than he loves you now, and he'll never love you more. He loves you. In fact, he loves you right now exactly as you are. Listen, he doesn't love you right now because you're going to be something. It's like, hey, I really love you because you're going to be awesome. No, he loves you right now the way you are. Just you. Actually, you, you the person with all your stuff. I love this video that a neighbor of mine, his, his agency did this video, and I love this picture of who a dad is. Watch this video. 
That's our dad, and that's our initiative that we're in the middle of, of working on and um, to raise up godly dads around the world. Ephesians chapter 1, I want to look at that because now that comes from the image of a father who loves us, embraces us, and will give us whatever we need in order to complete the task he's given to us. Loves us without, without anything held back. Look at, look at this. I love this. I've, been, I've read this chapter maybe 150 times this year. I've just been parking in it. I'll read, do my other stuff, read my Proverbs every day, and I always come back to Ephesians 1 because this is our Father. Look at verse 3. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Everybody say us. Yes. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that he has given you the same power and spirit that Jesus walked the earth with. That same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Every spiritual blessing. Now, if I were like the Father in heaven, I'd be like, hey, uh, Scott, listen, I know you're doing good. I'm going to give you a little bit of the Holy Spirit, a little bit of my presence. See how you do with it. And then if you do okay, then I'll give you a little more, right? That's what I would do. But what he did is he, it, it, watch this, watch what it says. He gave us every spiritual blessing. He didn't hold anything back even before he made the world. God loved us, chose us to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I love that. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us. Another translation says he has lavished on us. He has showered us. Uh, he, he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. I love that. And I love the fact that today we celebrate Father's Day and God is our Father and we have that image and we see that. But I want to also say today, I want to celebrate all men. I want to celebrate men who stand up for righteousness. I want to celebrate men who follow Christ with passion. I want to celebrate single men because in your singleness you have a flexibility to mentor and love others and do things that some of us didn't have with children. You've got, you've got a special, unique place. Yeah. I want to celebrate those men who are married and want children, but you don't have children yet. I want to celebrate you because you have a special place in mentoring others. Yeah. I want to celebrate those men who have adopted children. I think it takes a little more courage to adopt children than, than to produce them biologically. The process isn't as pleasurable. And I think it took some courage, so I applaud all of you. So I just want to say thank God for the men who stand for righteousness. Amen? We need strong men. Do what? Kill the giant. Come on, do what? 
killed a giant. Let me show you a picture of, of this, because now we're into this thing where, where this is our father who gave us this and gave us, lavished on us who he is. I want to show you a picture of, of the Valley of Elah. This is where uh, the battle between Goliath and David happened. We're going to look at this uh, briefly. Over here, up here, <laughs> up there. I move out here because, okay. Way up there, see, uh, on the other side of the valley is where uh, the Philistines were. And then right over here in this area is where Israel was and a king named Saul. And down at the bottom, like where that road is, is where Goliath would show up every day. And he'd yell at him and he'd curse him and he'd speak things over him over them, and he'd tell them, you're no good, you guys can't do anything, you'll never accomplish anything, and he just yelled at them day and night, and Saul and his entire army was intimidated. Now, in another area, further this way, let's leave that picture up for, for a while, in another area is a, is a man named Jesse, who, who's uh, got some sheep and two of his sons, maybe three of them as we know, are in this battle, they're there, but they're laying back. He's got another son named David. David's about 17 years old. David has been anointed when he was 12 and a half to be the next king of Israel, but his dad didn't really regard him well, and he didn't think that highly of him. He put him out in the fields and said, just take care of the sheep. So David's out there taking care of the sheep. He's now about 17 when most guys would go to war. And his dad says to him, hey, your brothers are here. I know there's something going on. It's not going well, but I need you to take them some biscuits, some food. So David, this guy who's going to be the next king, instead of going to war, his dad says, here, take some biscuits. So he takes the biscuits, and he walks, and he comes to this place. And when he gets there, he's like, what is going on? He comes to his brothers and says, what's happening? How come we're not taking care of these Philistines? How, you know, we're the... We're the army of God. We're the ones who have won great victories. Why are we not going after it? And they start telling him, man, there's a giant that comes out every day. And before he ever sees the giant, David says, hey, we ought to just kill the guy. We ought to just, what do you mean there's a giant? Why don't we just get rid of him? Why? Because David had something in him, in his time with God, an identity that defined him, which was, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I can beat this guy. And here he is, and his brothers look at him and go, you idiot, get out of here. They start putting him down. He starts telling other people, hey, we need to kill this guy. He hasn't even seen the giant yet. Then the giant comes out. Everybody goes, see, see what I told you? He goes, nah, man, we can kill this guy. We can take this giant. And so he, they take him to the king, to Saul, and Saul says, you know, David, you know, you're not a man of war I'm a man of war. <laughs> it's so funny because this is a guy being intimidated by Goliath. Yet he's still kind of like buffed up, you know. Kinda, yeah, yeah, I'm a man of war and you can't do it. It's like, dude, 40 days, 40 nights, you've been laying back. And so David says, no, I can take him. King Saul says, you know what? Go ahead, give it a shot. Let's go ahead and do it. Let me give you some armor. He says, no, no, no. I've got my own way to do it. He says, what makes you think you can do it? David said, because in guarding the sheep, spending time out in the, out in the, out in the fields with my sheep, he said, I've had to kill a lion, I've had to kill a bear. I've taken care of them. 
He's also, as you know, he wrote the book of Psalms. And so in the book of Psalms, we see these songs, that he, many of which he wrote while he was out there tending the sheep. He spent time with God. And he, and he had an identity. He, he had a definition. I know who I am. I can do this. So here comes Goliath out. Right? Do what? Come on. Kill the giant. Do what? Kill the giant. Goliath comes out. David comes over. And David's, <laughs> David's coming down this little road. And he shows up. He's got no armor on. Here's this huge giant Goliath yelling at him. And he says, what are, you, what are you coming at me for, you little punk? And David says, you know what? He says, today. Everybody say, today. today. When do we need to kill the giant? Today. today. Not tomorrow. Not let it yell at us for a while. We've got to turn the volume down today. And he says, today I'll take your head off. Today I'm going to kill you. The giant started laughing, and in the middle of the laugh, he picks up some stones Slings one at the guy, hits him in the forehead, wins a victory. Amen? Amen. Do what? Kill the, giant. Kill the giant. Well, let me give you a couple of attributes as we close of David. And they're the attributes that David had in his life that you have in your life. Number one, he was called. The Bible says you've been called to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that you're his masterpiece. That before you were ever born, he designed you for good works. That's who you are. You've been called. David was called. In fact, when Samuel was looking for a king, and Samuel was the judge, and Samuel's looking for a king to replace Saul because Saul's such a mess up. Obviously, he's intimidated. And when he's looking for him, God says to Samuel, Samuel, don't worry about it. I've found a man after my own heart. If you look at it chronologically, you'll find that David is somewhere around eight years old. At eight years of age, God is already saying about that young man, I've found a man after my own heart. Why? Because he knew there was something in him that was great. And God's spoken that over every single man and woman that's here in this place today. You're my masterpiece. I created you for good works. He was called. He was anointed. He had the Spirit of God on him. In John 14, 12, Jesus said this. He said, the same things I've done, you will do. Because I've called you to be my disciples. And my disciples will do the same things I've done. Another attribute of David was that he was mature. He accepted a battle that wasn't his. It wasn't his battle, it was Saul's fight, and yet he went after it. Because he knew somebody had to do something. Do what? Kill the giant. And the enemy keeps yelling at us and speaks things at us. And the enemy keeps putting things, you'll never make it, this will never happen, you'll never do this right. There's all this chaos and issues and temptations and who do you think you are? The world wants us and needs us, you and I, to rise up as warriors. Stand with me, please, right now. I want to speak this over you, because this is who God says you are. David had all kinds of issues and problems. He was disrespected by his dad, marginalized by culture. His brothers didn't think highly of him, but he was called and anointed. And here's what our Father in heaven, in the Word of God, speaks over you. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror. You are loved and highly regarded. 
You are victorious in Christ. You are a champion, a daring person. You are dangerous to the enemy. You are a warrior. That's who you are. God's spoken that over you. And in the same way that David defeated the giant, so you and I are going to defeat the giants that try to intimidate us, change us, and turn our minds. I believe the world needs some men. This is Father's Day, but again, we talked about all men. I'd like all the men in this place to come to the front. Every single man. Wow, it's awesome. Just scrunch in whatever it doesn't have to be. I just want to pray over you guys. And the thing that the thing that uh, David had was he had courage. Courage is the result of embraced destiny. Courage is the result of knowing who God says I am and then saying I'm going to act like that. And one of the things that, that the world will do is, is try to redefine you and say, well, you can't really do that or you don't really have that in you or you're not like that character or you're not like that guy or you don't have that power, that strength. But the Bible says that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Every single man standing here as a follower of Christ has in him the ability to do the same thing David did. And that is what? Kill the giant. Do what? Kill the giant. Put your hands on the shoulder of each, each other right there. And ladies, would you reach out your hands towards these men? I want to pray over our men. The world needs men who will stand for righteousness. The, man, the world needs men who will be men of honor. The world needs men who will be men of integrity, men of strength, men who will speak life, not death, men who will stand up for what's right, not bow down to the gods of this world. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak courage over these men. I pray, Father, and they're going out and coming in. Every part of their life, everything they do, in their job, in their family, that, Father, they would be anointed. That, Father, they would have courage. Father, you called them. And I thank you for men who have the power and the strength to say, this is the word of God in my life. I'm a more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I'm a victorious man. I want you to pray for each other, guys. The man whose shoulder you're touching, I want you to pray for him right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our brothers. I pray for every man up here on this stage. I pray for every man standing here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray your strength, your power, your anointing over them to defeat the giants, to defeat the giants, to defeat them, to win the victory. Father, our world needs men who will fight, men who will stand up. Victory is always on the other side of a fight. Father, I thank you for it now in the name of Jesus. And we pray right now, Father, for your anointing, your power, as, as we cry out, holy, holy, holy is the name of the Lord God Almighty. And we speak it right now in this place, over these families, in this house, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, isn't it good to hear someone talk about life and hope and men and fathers? It's clear there's an understanding he has. He walks in. That's just That should challenge you and encourage you. Come on. Kill the giant, right? 
And see, here's the thing. This is why I think what he just talked about is so important when you talk about God the Father. There's so many people in our culture right now who have grown up either without a father or who have grown up with a father who just wasn't there. And one of the challenges with that is that what we find is that when we hear the voice of a father, we can hear it in a certain tone or a certain way. We can begin to believe that it's saying something it isn't saying. And sometimes we hear correction or direction as rejection. And God's trying to lead us and guide us. And he's trying with the rod and the staff to comfort us and to move us into places we are called to go. And I mean, I, I thank God every day for the father that I had who celebrated me. But man, I tell you what, challenged me the same, corrected me when I needed it. And I know that now, now I know, it's taken me 37 years, but now I know that he loved me and had my best at heart. I think what we need to do is restore that. And I love the way you've talked about men. So many days now, it's, it's almost like if you're a man, you're bad. And I think, I think some men are. But I think what God's called us to be is men who carry something different. Amen? Man, what a good day in the house. I know it rained a little bit, but I'm still going to send you that direction. I want to encourage you if, you. if you're a dad, you didn't fill out the card, you got to make sure you do. But we're going to have a drawing for those. Uh, to win that that season pass and to also win something else. I think we've got some camping gear that we're going to give you. Would you give it up one more time for Paul Cole? Come on. Hey, let me just, can I just do this real quick? Because we prayed over the men, but I want to pray over all of you. If today you just make a decision, if you're going, you know what, God? I want to connect with you. And I don't want to connect with you with the bias or the moments of, the, of, of, of my past. I don't want to connect with you with my worries or my view of God as some old man with a, a, a stick ready to uh, get me when I do something wrong, but, but as one who's going to catch me when I jump off the stairs recklessly, uh, who's going to love me and celebrate me, who's going to champion me. I want to, I want to connect with you as the God that you are. And maybe for the first time today, you're going, yeah, that's me. I need to walk in that. Or maybe for the first time in a while, you're realizing you've gotten this view. And every time you're corrected, every time there's a thing, every time that something pushes on you, you're realizing that you're taking it in a way that push, pulls you back rather than puts you forward and, and makes you walk into your destiny and calling. And, and I just want to make sure that you get the right picture today of heaven, of what God's called you to be. Amen? So would you just bow your head with me? And I want the whole church to just repeat after me. We don't do this often, but I just want all of us to make sure we've got a reset button and making sure we're viewing God as he should be viewed. So as I pray, would you repeat after me? God, our Father, thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for showing me what love is. God, I pray that this day I would see you as you are. That I would love you fully because I know you love me fully. And God, I pray that I would hear your voice, that I would walk with you, that I would walk in victory. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, what a great day. We love you guys. Fellas, dads, primarily, make sure you head out back. We're going we're gonna to announce the winner of our stuff. Happy Father's Day, y'all.